Welcome to Joyfully Queer, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the vibrant colors of our community and the strength and resilience that lies at the heart of it all. I'm your host, Bethany, your guide to all things queer and joyful. I'm an activist, an artist, an interfaith spirituality and wellness coach, and a proud member of the LGBTQ community. Here at Joyfully Queer, we are exploring the beauty of our lives and identities. We're here to be a reminder that our joy is powerful, resilient, and absolutely worth celebrating. From the smallest victories to the grandest of achievements, we're diving deep into the moments that make our souls sing. We're here to have fun, explore the fullness of our stories, and celebrate the impact that being free to live our most authentic lives has, both in our community and in the world. We'll be chatting with incredible guests, exploring personal narratives, and unpacking the things that makes the queer experience special. So whether you're a member of the LGBTQ community or an ally, Joyfully Queer is the place for you. So let's get started. Naftali, I'm so excited to have you here on the show today. Um, why don't we start by you introducing yourself? Great. Um, my name is Naftali. I, my pronouns are she, her, um, and I am a librarian, which is super cool. Uh, yes, it is. Of all of my friends, you're the one who knows the most about the most <laughs> random things, and it's amazing. <laughs> I do love to collect a useless fact. <laughs> I'm super excited to have you on the show today to talk about queer joy. And I was wondering, um, what does that mean to you? It's kind of fun to talk about this. I mean, for a multitude of reasons, but this has been um, more of a recent journey for me. Um, So for a long time, frankly, I just didn't think about my own sexuality, really. Um, I it's not that I didn't, I don't know how to describe this fully, but it just didn't occur to me that this needed to be a thing I even thought about. Um, I knew I was straight. I knew I was attracted to men, but I didn't, I didn't know too much beyond that. Um, I knew I was different because people would make jokes about sex or comments about sex. And I always thought, is that funny? Like, is that is that something people actually think about? Is that something that, um, you know, people spend time on? Like, I was always so confused by it. Um, because frankly, sex was not something I thought about like ever. Um, I remember when I finally got my first kiss, I was 16 years old. Well, I was almost 16 years old. And, um, it was this guy I really, really liked. I liked him so much. And I was so excited he was going to be my first kiss. And um, while we were kissing, he bit my lip. And I remember pulling my head back and just saying, did you bite me? And he was like, yeah, you know, it was like sexy. And I was like, mm, but was it? Um, cause the whole time I'm just thinking about the technical aspects of what I'm doing. I never 
it was never like an emotive thing for me. It was never anything that elicited any emotion or desire. It was a thing I was supposed to do. I was supposed to kiss this guy because I liked this guy. Um, so when he bit my lip, I was just like, what? Like, that's not in the, not in the playbook. <laughs> I was not informed. <laughs> I needed to know specifics. <laughs> and um, I had always like kind of thought like maybe I don't feel attraction the way other people feel attraction um just judging by the way my friends would talk about people they liked um or experiences they were having and I just didn't feel compelled in the same way um and so you know that kind of clicked it for me that I was I was in fact different because I didn't ever get out of my head about it. Um, I was always very much thinking, okay, now I'm kissing this guy. Now I'm doing this with my lips. Now I'm doing this. You know, it wasn't, um, was never an attraction thing, but <laughs> this is so bizarre to say, but I owe a lot to TikTok because about <laughs> two years ago, I was really late at night. Um, and I was watching, I was scrolling through TikTok and this um, individual came on and they started talking about how the words they use to define their sexuality. And the word they used was demisexual, which was a thing I had never heard before. Um, to my mind, it, you were either like sexual in some way or you were asexual, which is like devoid of of sexual feeling in some regard. So demisexual was intriguing to me. Um, and so then I started really reading about um, the gradations within the ACE spectrum itself. Um, and as of right now, demisexual is still the one I think most accurately describes how I feel about things. Um, because I do have attraction. Um but it's not, you know, it's not overwhelming ever. And it is very much dependent upon emotional connection and intellectual connection. And um, frankly, even when there is the attraction, I don't necessarily want anybody to touch me <laughs> ever. Um, but anyways, like that whole journey, that whole process of, of finding a word that felt true within me. Um, that gave a name to this nebulous feeling I had had my whole life. God, that gave me so much joy and so much comfort because there's an isolation, I think, that comes when you think you're not acting in the way everybody else acts. Um, and it's so, it's it's hard. It's sad. Like, I remember in high school and I was like, I know everybody's supposed to be like in love and like have these emotions and you're supposed to want these things. And like, I had people I liked, but I also just didn't feel a compulsion to act on it, to, to do something about it in the same way. I was enthralled with the crush, with the emotional um, influx. So Another word I have come to discover about myself, um, while I am demisexual or somewhere within the asexual realm of things, 
I am not a romantic. Mm. I, I freaking love romance. <laughs> like it, oh my God, you know, I love me a romance novel. I am a huge fan of the Hallmark Channel. I mean, I'm sitting here in a Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey sweatshirt. Yes, says, you are. Swelsey. <laughs> Swelsey. <laughs> because I love romance. I really do. Um, and that's that's been a um a journey in and of itself for me, like reconciling that I can be I can be romantic or I can want romance. Um, but I don't necessarily have to want anything that may come thereafter. Um that I can be romantic without having to also be necessarily sexual in the way other people want um, or have uh, expect, or, you know, like I have to chart my own course with that. Um, but yeah, finding those words, I, I never knew that that would bring me so much um, that that would make me feel so comforted in who I am and how I feel. So that's been a very joyful experience for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that I hear a lot is finding language. Um, You know, how important it is that a lot of people complain that like so many words keep getting added to our kind of like lexicon. Um, But I, I do think that it really helps us to narrow down our experiences into a way that we can verbalize how we're feeling um, in a way that a lot of us didn't have access to even 10 years ago. Yeah, no, that's, that was one of the interesting things when I started researching into ACE um, and asexuality is like, it's not, it's not black and white the way, which is funny because there is black and white in the ACE flag. So um (laughs) but um there it's such a gradient of experience um and just as there like is the like emotional side of it and the attraction through emotionality and through intellect and that kind of thing there's also like a devoid of attraction like you just don't feel attraction but then there's also like sex is separate from emotion you know like there's all of these pieces and it was fascinating to learn um because I had joked for a long time that I was probably asexual um because it just felt like the only thing that fit um but it was never quite right and I could never feel ownership in myself of that word because it felt it felt too restrictive it was like you don't have these things period and i i knew that wasn't the case because i have been attracted to people um and it just you know like find finding that niche where i exist um and knowing that other people exist there too like since I have found my word, I have found someone who is also asexual but not aromantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have like someone in my life who shares that language, who I can talk to about these things and feel connected to in that way, has been such a tremendous boon for me because 
like I said, it is, it is isolating when you don't, I mean, my best friend, I love her. I love her, but she has always wanted me to be with somebody because she has always wanted to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had to have a conversation one time where I said, I'm just not looking for it. I, if it comes along, if someone wants to embrace all the complication that is how I express my emotion, um, then that will be fantastic. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to go out and and be on the dating apps and sit in bars and, and try and find that because it's not where I feel satisfied in life. Um, you know, I want to put my effort into, into my friendships, into my family, um, because that is a love that I feel very deeply. And, um, I just don't know that I need a relationship in any traditional sense to feel complete as a human. And, um, not that anybody who feels that, not that I see them as any less because, that's their journey. Their journey is to have that connection and to have that intimacy. Um, and I respect it. And I think it's very beautiful. It's just not an intimacy that I have needed thus far in my life. Um, so having that conversation with her, I, you know, she was like, so does that mean like that you love women or that you're in, you're attracted to women? I was like, it's not in, it's not that because I am very much attracted to men which has also been a fun conversation because I feel like anytime um, my demisexual nature gets brought up, um, somebody is like, so, so is it just men? Is it men and women? Is it no one? Like, and so it's interesting that people want it to be ace and it can't just be just, just this little thing. I have also found joy in the fact that I'm getting more comfortable with saying it out loud and to other people. Um, It is nice to formally now be a part of the Alphabet Mafia. Um, We were just waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Although it is weird to be in the tacked on letter at the end that everybody likes to create an alternate meeting for. Um, Mm -hmm. I super love it when people are like, no, the A stands for ally. And I'm like, hmm. but yeah no it's um it's been a journey um but it but it has been cool like looking through all those those big terms and smaller terms and finding finding for myself um Mm -hmm. what works and and I can understand that like it's so complicated um and because generally I will just say I'm I'm in the ace family or I am within the asexual spectrum. Um I don't necessarily tell everyone like demisexual is my word um because that sometimes will lead to a very different conversation that I don't want to engage in in that moment. Yeah, what has I- your experience been like coming out um since it's so it's been pretty recent like how has that been for you? Uh, I'm very fortunate in that, um, everybody has been incredibly receptive to it. Um, when I said it to my mom, 
She was like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's because nobody's surprised by it. Mm -hmm. uh, what they're happy about is that I have a word. Some people are a little taken aback that I sought out a word because, you mm -hmm. know, I think more people live within the ACE spectrum than really know um, because we all have varied and just incredibly different feelings when it comes to intimacy and physicality and sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, everyone important in my life and frankly, people not as important. No, I am not big on physical touch. I'm not a hugger. There's an anxiety <laughs> that resides within me when it comes to hugging people. Like, like when I made out with that guy, like in my head, I'm like, where do I put my arms? Where do I put my head? You know, like mm -hmm. hugging, sometimes you really go over the shoulders or around the hips. Like what do do? happens <laughs> when I do it wrong? Are we like one up, one down? Or like, are we the other way? Or... And it's <laughs> so, um, my mom likes to tell this story about how when I was a baby, she couldn't carry me with like me facing her, um, like how you would traditionally cradle a baby. Um, she she had to hold me so that I was facing out. Oh. Like I didn't mind being close to someone, but I wanted to be facing out. I wasn't going to cuddle. I wasn't going to curl in. Um, I needed to see what was going on. I I needed to have space while still being close. And um, so every time she and I have talked about what my sexuality means to me, it's always been with that story kind of like in the back of our mind. Mm -hmm. um, so when I finally said, I think this is my word, she was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because <laughs> that's who you've been your whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been the person who, who wanted the friendships, who wanted the closeness of family. Um, and you know, nearly every romantic relationship I've had either grew out of or became a friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, because for me, that's, that's the real value of it all. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, everybody's been very calm <laughs> about it, which is nice. Um, I like to do a sneak attack and just kind of slip it in to conversation um, because I honestly never thought I would have to have this kind of conversation with anyone. You know, the arrogance of being a straight person, um, I always thought like, you know, I got to be the default, which is which is a privilege in that regard that I didn't have to think about this conversation. So I just like to like subtly lay it out there and then like retract a little bit <laughs> to see how people are going to react. Um, I think that I have only used the word demisexual or ace with like a couple of dozen people. Mm -hmm. Um also because, you know, like my business is my business. Um, but if we're having a conversation about relationships or who we're attracted to or whatever, like I'll, I'll make it known. So I, I guess I'm still finding 
my way in that regard. But, you know, I've told my parents, I said it to my brother, which was a, a strange conversation because I did use the term demisexual. So we had to talk about what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love my brother very much, but that's not the type of conversation we normally have. <laughs> um, uh, so I've said it to my very close friends. Um, I have really like three friend groups um, in my life and um, they all know. Um, I think the more formal conversation I had was actually in the friend group we we share. Um, mm-hmm. So we were on Zoom one night and I was like, so I've been thinking about this. And this is what I've come to the conclusion of. And you are also wonderful. Um, but you've all had similar journeys yourself. Um, although some less recent than others. <laughs> like, But you were all so wonderful about it. And um, it didn't have to be something we belabored. But it was something you all gave room to. And um, it it was very comforting to know you cared, but that we didn't have to keep talking about it if mm-hmm. I didn't want to. Exactly. Yeah. Being being able to have the space to say what you need to say without being forced to say more, I think is really important. Yes. I would agree very much so. So I would love um, to talk a little bit about TikTok <laughs> because I do think that a lot of people are finding their words on TikTok. And I think that people are finding a lot of community on TikTok with folks that maybe they never thought they would find, you know, like people who are sharing similar journeys that they'd never thought they'd see. Um, and now there are like whole TikTok accounts about it. Um, I would love to know your thoughts about that. Oh my God. I cannot, like, it feels so bizarre to be so grateful to this stupid app. Um, <laughs> like this silly app that we all joined during the pandemic to feel connected. But like, that's what it has done. It has created this wonderful connection. I mean, there, it can also be a cesspool of the worst. So I don't want to like give it too much praise. Depends but... on your algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It politicians, um, what you look at. Um, brings you more things like that. Exactly. <laughs> but it has been wonderful, like just to see people casually use phrases like demisexual or gray ace or just ace. Like, I don't even think I knew to call the asexual community ace until TikTok. Um, and to see these people living that truth to learn terms like aromantic, um, to learn terms like all those little terms within the asexuality spectrum, like, oh my God, like that's so empowering. And for me, like on my small scale, um, to have that joy because of that, I can only imagine what it's done for people who really build communities there. Um, but I think we're doing a lot to empower people through that app, um, which again, feels strange to say, but cause you know, like I remember what I watched during the pandemic and <laughs> like you were just, it was, it was something that started about, you know, enjoyment and like breaking the isolation. Um, but again, like you said, it it's all down to 
what you're willing to engage with. And so some people still live in the fun place on TikTok, which is great. But I I personally will be forever grateful for the fact that there were people who took that moment to be serious and to open up and to create those spaces where those conversations could happen so that I could have that conversation with myself. Not everybody needs a word. And that's fantastic. And, you know, I lived for most of my life, you know, 30 plus years without a word. And I was comfortable with it. Um, but there has there has been a joy um, in being able to find that word. It's a little weird for me that TikTok was a part of that whole journey. <laughs> but I, I'm very grateful for it. And I am hopeful that more people will have that safe space to engage with that information and those people so that they can they can find their words too if that is something they are seeking or something that will bring them wholeness or happiness or just contentment because i think that's a lot of what has come through this journey for me is is the feeling of being contented in in who i am and how i feel and how i express things um and and through that contentment i have found joy yeah no tiktok is you know, it's what you make it at the end of the day. Like you said, it's all down to the algorithm, but good gravy, having all of that at your fingertips and that space to explore and to learn and to grow. Mm -hmm. God, like I can only imagine what some of my friends who experienced their queer journeys, like, you know, back in the late nineties or early two thousands, like how much better and more secure they would feel in that journey if they had that level of community. And who knows, maybe I would have found my word 20 years sooner if I had had access to something like TikTok. Because I was never one who did a lot of like online community stuff. Like I wasn't in the chat rooms. I wasn't, actually I was, but they were all like sci-fi television show chat rooms. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't, it wasn't a lot, you know, um, it makes me wonder like how how the journey will go for this generation that gets to be involved in these things that much sooner. Um, like will that level of contentment exist for them at a younger age or, you know, will they they have that terminology? I mean, I as much as I have really loved the journey of finding my work, I do think it could be overwhelming if you feel like you have to have a word because there are there, like you said there's there's such a lexicon from which yes. to delve mm -hmm. and to to find and um, most people understand at this point i think gay and lesbian and maybe mm -hmm. we have moved on to most people understanding to a certain extent bi and trans but then you get like further out in the letters and I don't think there's a real awareness of other identities outside of, you know, people who pay attention. Well, I mean, like, we can't even, like, like we were talking about earlier, we can't even agree on what all the letters stand for. Mm -hmm. Like, is Q queer questioning? What is it? Like, <laughs> I would be hard pressed to find a dozen people who knew that I was like intersex or that that falls within there or 
like we said, what does the A actually stand for? <laughs> is it ally? Is it asexual? I mean, like I know where I stand on that issue. Um, and then we we use the plus, which I get, mm-hmm. but like this whole conversation we've been having is the joy that comes with specificity, is the joy that comes with with naming things. And um while I appreciate that we don't want it to be the entire alphabet soup mm-hmm. in the acronym. Um, we do want people to be included and we do want them to have those terms and understanding only comes with um, exposure. And if we're not giving everyone their due, if we're not saying this is what this means, right. Mm-hmm. Then you won't have that growth. Yeah. You have to use the words. Exactly. You have to use the words, you know, just like your English teacher told you, like the more you use a word, the, the more you'll understand it, the more it'll become a common occurrence in your life. And so we have to give everyone that space. Um, even if it may be a mouthful for all of us, it's, it's giving everyone their due. I mean, it's just, it's silly things too. Like, um, you know, my name is Naftali. I have not really loved having nicknames in my life. Um, But also most people don't take the time to really hear me when I pronounce my name for them. And so like, just like you should respect someone by listening to them say their name and saying it the way they say it, like you two need to listen to their pronouns. You need to listen to their identifying words that have meaning to them. Because if they have taken the time to express these words to you, if they have taken the time and the effort to enunciate for you who they are, you have to honor that. You have to give it its respect. That's I think that's just one of my core beliefs in life. I think that that's really beautiful and really important um, because we're, as humans, we want to know and to be known. And when people are dismissive about our identities or our, you know, pronouns or the important things about ourselves that we share with others, we don't feel as known. Exactly. You know, it may seem small, like we were talking about the conversation of coming out. It may seem like a small thing to say the words, I am ace. I am demisexual. Um, Especially in my case, where it um, it doesn't have an and it's just not to, di- not to diminish or belittle it, but it is just, I am demisexual. We have to, it takes an emotional toll on us to say, to say those words out loud when there may be the opportunity for rejection, when there may be, um, someone who, who could react badly to that. There is an emotional cost to saying those words. And if someone is going to go through the effort of laying bare that emotionality, we need to respect that. We need to see that effort. We need to match their concern and care. And we need to to treat it carefully. You know, like, you know, they're tossing, they're tossing an egg at you. And are you going to crush it or are you going to cradle it? Because they are that egg is from them. It is. It is a part of them. And so you want to care for it because you care for that person, hopefully. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this this made me think about when I was first coming out and how I would always listen for cues about whether someone was safe or not. Like, what are they saying about Ellen? Um, what are they saying about like everyone knew Clay Aiken on American Idol was gay? Like, what are they saying about that? I mean, this is dating me for sure. Like the references that I'm using. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I think that I definitely, there wasn't a lot, um, of just like LGBT representation when I was coming out in the early two thousands. And so you had to kind of pick your battles there. Um, but I still had, you know, like some points of reference to listen for, to see like, okay, is this person like saying kind things or mean spirited things? And then having that inform like who I told. And I can only imagine like being um, in like the latter part of the alphabet soup. There isn't really that opportunity for that. You don't see as much media representation. Um, And a thing I am, I am coming to discover is that generally when we see ace individuals in the media, um, they are also portrayed as aromantic. Um, a good example is Heartstopper, the television show. One of um, this, um, not one of the main characters, but Isaac, he he is on his own journey towards discovering his identity. And he seems to be... Um, compelled or attracted to the words asexuality but a romanticism as well um and so that has been interesting to me because um when i do say i'm ace or i say i'm demisexual people almost immediately are like so you're completely uninterested you have or i'll get like people who know my reading habits they're like but you love romance novels and I'm like, yes, because I'm not a romantic. I am romantic. I love romance. And so the, there is a confusion, I think, with the latter letters. Um, not only in what do they actually stand for, but like, what is that actual meaning? Um, yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's no cue for it. Um, so I'm fortunate in that I have a great deal of safe people in my life. Um, I have a lot of people who have previously come out to me um, in a variety of ways. I think maybe they could smell the asexuality on me before <laughs> I knew um, I was a person who was not really going to be attracted to them either way, regardless of their feeling. Um, so I was a safe person to talk to um, because there would be no complication of emotion, I think, um, beyond the care of friendship. Um that's not to say I wasn't emotionally invested in who they were as humans, mm-hmm. um, but that there would be no romantic feeling necessarily. Um, it's been interesting to think about it in that regard because it doesn't get to be an easy conversation always. Um, I did say to one of my staff members, you know, I, I'm demisexual. I'm, I'm ace. And he said, okay, but like, are you still a hetero? Because he's he's gay and he's very young and he's been on his own journey of discovery and learning, especially growing up in a very conservative community. Um, and, you know, it, it he had no reference and he is widely read. And um, it it has been interesting in that regard because people don't 
don't have the immediate understanding Mm -hmm. that I now have, but I only have that because I did my own research. Like I didn't even have the immediate understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still at her? I love that story. (laughs) He was so kind about, I mean, like he he was trying to be, but he was also like, but you're still a hetero. <laughs> like, like, let's pump the brakes here. <laughs> oh, cutie. <laughs> awesome. Well, Naftali, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been awesome having you here. I had a really good time. Uh, it's been a lot of fun verbalizing some of these feelings that, um, you know, you you go through these things, you experience these things, but you don't necessarily take the time to to look back at it. Um, so this has been lovely for me and um I'm so glad. Yeah. And uh I definitely would love to have you come back. Um as we said earlier, you are the keeper of knowledge. And so I think uh I think it would be awesome to have you come talk about more things. <laughs> Absolutely. I will talk about all the pop culture queerness you could ever want. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Naftali. Thank you. Glimmer. Welcome back to my favorite part of the podcast, Glimmers. This part of the show is a time to lift up the things that make us smile and celebrate moments that remind us all that even in the midst of life's challenges, there's always a glimmer of joy. You know, it's it's hard starting any creative venture, and I'm definitely super new to the podcast world. Uh, so something is, that has brought me a lot of joy recently has been hearing positive feedback from you all. And learning from you how the conversations I have featured on the show are bringing joy to your lives or helping you make connections with other people in our community. So thank you for your support, for your love, and for sharing the podcast with your friends because it truly makes a difference. I also want to give a special shout out to my friend's daughter who listens to every episode She's nine years old, and she's the biggest fan of the podcast. Every time I see her, she tells me how much she loves it, and she asks when the next episode is going to be coming out. And uh, it's just really sweet and really encouraging to see how happy it makes her, and that always makes me happy. So I don't want to say your name on air, girl, but you know who you are. Thank you for being such a great fan. We love you. If you liked this episode and want to help the Joyfully Queer community grow, there are a few things you can do. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a positive review for Joyfully Queer on your favorite podcasting site. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Joyfully Queer and on Instagram at Joyfully Queer Podcast. I truly want this podcast to represent our community. So if you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you have a topic that you think would make a great episode, please email me at joyfullyqueerpod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is your host, Bethany, wishing you a queertastic day.